Hello and welcome to Soulful Sessions, the show that creates a space for people to chat openly about spirituality, personal growth and share their life experiences. We care about allowing people to open up authentically and share their soul. I hope you'll join me on this journey of bringing authentic and conscious content to the world through the voice of my incredible guests. If you love our stuff, remember to like and subscribe to never miss an episode and hit us up at SoulfulBod on Instagram. Me and Jerry, me and Jerry have already been having a bit of a nice chat, and in in we have I do a little pre pre uh, pre interview with her, but I'll just quickly introduce her to you guys. She's a love and relationship coach, specifically for women, and it's specifically for women who want to break damaging patterns in their love life. Is that that sound about right, Jerry? Yeah, that's great. Perfect. <laughs> great. So, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, like your journey? Because I'd love to for the listeners to know like your background and where where you got to become who you are now and why you became a, a love and relationship coach. Yeah, so I'm someone who had like started in in working in a completely different background to this. I was in a corporate environment for years and I lived in London. I was working in like finance and it was like really stressful and I was getting really burnt out. This was sort of like in my early to mid 20s. And it was just this kind of like cycle of like, go to work, go out and get drunk at the weekend. (laughs) And that was kind of like the cycle and just getting in and out of really destructive relationships for years and years. And it came to the point where I was just like, I kind of had reached all of the, you know, like the check boxes, like I had the job (laughs) and I got the promotion and I had like the salary and I had the really nice apartment. And I realized that I felt like really really unhappy I was still like deeply unhappy with my life and everything that was going on and it was it was really interesting because outside of where I lived someone was doing like free yoga classes and I'd never tried yoga before and I was like oh that might be helpful that like might support me to like I don't know chill out or something and I joined in the class and it was kind of like this really amazing moment of like wow this is what it feels like to connect to myself and my body without substances or kind of like needing other other things to do that and it was I'm sure so many people can relate to that moment as well when they discover like I guess that that beingness and being in that you know solid solitude and stuff yes exactly and it was really incredible and it kind of set off this catalyst of I decided that I was going to quit my job and I was going to go traveling I'd never really, I hadn't been to university, so I'd never had like, you know, like the whole gap year experience and stuff. I just went from school to work and I was like, I really want to travel. And I was 27 at the time. And it is this kind of like bit of cliche, like quarter life crisis thing (laughs) and just left everything and went traveling for 18 months around Australia. And it was really incredible. I really got to know myself and like who I was and what I wanted and I did yoga teacher training over in India while I was traveling and then came back to the UK and taught yoga for a bit and I did feel very different within myself and my life was changing but there was still this big black cloud of relationships mm. Which yeah. was still really difficult. And everyone can relate to that because I think because it's, you know, we all it's such an area of our life that we all massively, massively struggle with and stuff. So so what led you into, you know, becoming a, a relationship coach, a love coach, you know? Yeah. Obviously if it, it, yeah. You know, you you must have learned from your 
your experiences a bit as well. Yeah, it was my own personal experiences. And I came to like this sort of like rock bottom moment where I knew that things needed to really change quickly Mm -hmm. in that area and that I would need to do something about it. And I started going to therapy and I did like 12 steps for a bit. And that was all like really helpful. But there was still something because I'd learned that for me, like doing body-based work and not just being in my head was really helpful. And that's when I got into, when I discovered the teacher that I did my coach training with, her name's Layla Martin. She's quite like a pioneer and kind of like body-based sacred sexuality teachings and combining that with, with coaching and embodiment and really supporting people to deepen their relationships with that. And so I did this year-long intense training. And honestly, in the beginning, it was more for myself than mm. than anyone else, really, that I just wanted to have that experience for myself. And it worked for me. It really helped me to get out of that cycle of destructive relationships to where I'm now engaged and in a really, really happy relationship. And that's when I decided to take this professionally and use the tools that I'd learned to help as many other women as possible. So for people who may not sort of know like what it is that you do in terms of this kind of, you know, this, I think it's Neo Tantra, isn't it? The sort of this type there, there. So do you, do you want to explain it to our listeners and, you know, how you integrate that with, you know, the love and relationship coaching? How do these two come together and become a a space for healing in in this area? Mm, Yeah. So Nia Tantra is basically a more modern westernized version of the ancient teachings of Tantra or sacred sexuality. And Tantric teachings came from India, really ancient teachings that have been around for thousands and thousands of years. And the way that I combine that with coaching, this style of coaching supports, we see, you know, human beings as being whole in the sense that we're working to help support them sexually and spiritually so it's kind of like this this idea that we're not only our bodies but the thing that I saw especially when I was a yoga teacher is that we you know through meditation through those types of practices that are really popular in spirituality what often happens is we go into like trying to leave our bodies Mm -hmm. and not have the human experience And we believe that that's somehow more enlightened or like whatever it is. But with what I love about the teachings of Tantra is that it's like we're saying you're not only your body, but part of being in the human experience is being in your body. It's an essential part of who you are. And what I teach and share with my clients is how to relate to your body as a soul servant. This is especially you know, important for women as a source of intuition and pleasure Mm. and spiritual power, rather than how we've been conditioned as society to believe, especially as women kind of being seen as just these like objects of, you know, our bodies are just like objects for the male gaze or like whatever Mm. it is, or we need to be a certain way or look a certain way or do something else or kind of like leave our bodies in order to be spiritual in quotation marks so it's just really this kind of like owning that our bodies are equally as important as our minds and the combination and then bringing in work with sexuality with that as well Mm. because I guess you see in a lot of um I guess you know whether it's mindful practice personal growth spirituality you see like a lot of teachings about you know you know going outside going to enlightenment but like you know we still have to live 
on this world. You know, we still have to get by day to day and we can't just run off and live in a in a jungle and <laughs> seclude ourselves exactly. in this environment, you know. And um and what you're saying is like really practically applying these things so into your life. Yeah, absolutely. And it's and it's one of the things that I love about tantric teachings is it allows for our humanity and our emotions and our processes. And it's not kind of what I'm seeing a lot in the spiritual community is this kind of like bypassing or like attempt to bypass the human experience or any emotions that aren't blissful in quotation marks or kind of like what we perceive to be spiritual. But what we sort of share with the tantric teachings is that you know, anger is spiritual as well, or rage or sadness and allowing ourselves to go into the the depth of those emotions that we don't necessarily perceive as positive. That's part of the human experience as well. Yeah. And actually, you know, how accessing and sort of healing those parts of you is very powerful. Yes, absolutely. For me, it was just completely a game changer to be able to accept all parts of me and not just the ones Mm -hmm. that were kind of like, you know, easy to digest or that other people would like and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And like integrating these these parts of you is so important because I think, you know, I I definitely spent in my own personal journey, spent a long time just sort of, you know, rejecting things about myself that I actually normally in day-to-day life really liked but because I felt like uh okay they weren't you know spiritual enough they weren't you know this image of being enlightened and whatever my my perceived thing I was like I can't do them I can't do them you know and I rejected it and that was when it was like more of a struggle whereas now I'm like you know what I am a mixture of this like badass person but also this you know enlightened well not enlightened but (laughs) on that journey you know on the journey Mm. yeah I love that so much and I was the same when I first started on my spiritual journey there were so many parts of myself that I disowned like you know I loved to like dress up and get my hair and makeup done and like Mm. all of that stuff and then I was like oh no that's vain like you know it's reducing me to my appearance I can't do those things when actually those were things that brought me joy. It didn't have anything to do with vanity. It was just like, I love, you know, that practice of adorning myself. And it was self-care for me as well. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like, you know, examples like that, where we're then placing judgment on ourselves that might not necessarily be true. Or even with, with drinking, for example, like I still do occasionally have a drink and I enjoy having a drink. and, And I think this is kind of like, Yes, if it's, you know, if it's really harmful for you, then yes, support yourself to stop and you can drink and be spiritual. Yes, yeah. They're not not mutually exclusive. And it's not, you know, it's not this kind of, it's not this new age spirituality. Like there is that sort of, there is that sense in some, in some things, I guess, but it is literally just, you know, being yourself, but adopting these, these practices in a way that's, you know, authentic and unique to yourself. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's it's like it's honoring the roots of where these practices come from and acknowledging mm. that and naming that. And at the same time, also, you know, working them in a way that makes sense for modern exactly. life. Exactly. Because, it, you know, we like we said earlier, you have got to be able to be here and live here (laughs) but still you know live in this space that's like going to develop you as an individual and as and as a soul and all these aspects of yourself and I think I think we spoke um 
last time about uh, some things that sort of, you know, hold you hold you back as an individual and something that maybe you don't necessarily embrace. And I think I related quite a bit with this was, was codependency. And I would love us, I'd love you to give us a little sort of, you know, understanding on, you know, what is codependency and and why is it so so big in in today's world, especially with with women. Mm. So from my own personal experience and what I what I experienced codependency to be in my relationship is I was in a space where I was because of the trauma that I was healing from my past and because of things I'd experienced in childhood and when I was a teenager I was kind of subconsciously this wasn't happening consciously and I didn't know I was doing it but I was like playing scenarios out in my life that I was hoping would repair that And what that looked like for me was getting into these relationships where what happened was what we call like a trauma bond, where the person was equally as traumatized as I was. And we were kind of like trying to fix each other. And that's where this kind of like codependent space can happen, where I became so dependent on this other person for my well-being because I wasn't able to self-soothe. So I was completely dependent on partners to to soothe me or to validate me or to make me feel okay or to make me feel worthy. And it was kind of like, I felt as though often when relationships were ending, it was it really was like the end of the world. It was mm. like, it was this real like visceral feeling of I can't live without this person. Like you I just kind of formed, actually can't do it. You formed your identity like into their yeah. identity in a way, you know, and it, it like that attachment. Yeah. Yes. And then on the flip side, at the same time that you're kind of like subconsciously hoping this person will fix you, then what we're doing, and this is especially common with women, is kind of like we're trying to fix them. Mm. So kind of like, you know, like, Oh yeah, yeah, that you know, and we glamorize this so much. We glamorize codependency in society. We glamorize it in films. We glamorize it in songs. Like listen to any kind of like love song in the charts, any kind of like really popular films. This this codependency is so glamorized that we now perceive that as normal. Like you know, kind of like I don't know, really cliche, like mysterious, dark, romantic man, and he has like all these issues, and then the woman comes along and like she saves him and changes him, or like, and he decides to become a better man because of her, and like all of these, all of these kind of like ideas are deeply rooted in codependency, and it's really what I teach my clients is is healthy interdependence, because what we don't want is kind of like. And this happened to me for a while as well. It was like this other spectrum of ultra independence, which is also a trauma response of like, well, I don't need anyone and I don't need a partner and I can be happy on my own and all of those things. And where we want to get is this place of healthy interdependence of knowing, well, yes, I do need human connection and I want love and I want, you know, all of the things that come with having a healthy relationship and that's healthy and that's okay Mm -hmm. to be in that vulnerability. And also I know that if my partner left tomorrow, like I would be okay. Like it wouldn't be, I don't completely rely on him for my well-being. I'm able to, to offer that for myself. And it's, it's all about that balance, right? You know, and that harmony. And when you get to a space that you're in with, with like that, being like that, you can manage so much other, so many other areas of your life because you've got that supportive partner who is, who you've chosen consciously, I guess. 
Yes, exactly. And for me, when I was in these codependent relationships, so many areas of my life just completely fell to the wayside because all of my energy was going into fixing this other person Mm. or healing them or whatever, or kind of like, you know, begging to get my needs met through them. And after those kind of interactions within those relationships, I didn't have energy left for anything else. There was mm, nothing yeah. else <laughs> I mean, I was, I'm sure so many women are going to relate to this because I guess it's kind of that motherly role in a way that we take on. In, and it's I think it's a lot of women will relate to that, you know, that sort of neediness to be there for somebody, but in a very, you know, when we reflect on it, actually unhealthy way. Mm, yeah and as women naturally we are more nurturing and more caring and it is really it is like you were saying earlier that balance of like with my partner I'm older than him so there's so many times where I'm sometimes I like catch myself I'm like oh well you know I have this much more lived experience than him and let me tell him how to do this or how and I have to like catch myself and be like, no, he's an adult. Like he's perfectly <laughs> capable of like figuring this out for himself. And I mean, I did that in relationships with older men I was with as well. It's like, well, yeah. you know, if only if only he did what I told him to do, then <laughs> none of this would be happening. Or kind of and for me it was really around learning how to like stay in my own lane and just mm. realize that I can't change other people's behaviors if they're doing something that's hurtful to me of course I communicate it but ultimately I can't change someone else I can only kind of look at my own behaviors and that takes a lot less energy than trying to fix someone else as well and I guess that is from that is about going within right to actually you know not looking on the outside of us to to um you know find our own balance within and find our own healing within and you know you know how how would you go about I guess being able to show up better in relationships by learning to go within how would you go about doing that Mm, so there's a couple of things really I mean for me it's kind of what really supported me was being in community with other people that were going through the same. So at the time when I was doing the 12 steps for love addiction, I was like in a room full of people who were going through the same experiences as I was and kind of like allowed me to get that support that I needed Mm. to be able to go within because the, the idea of having to go on that journey completely on my own would have been terrifying And then either getting that support from friends, if you have any friends that are on the same journey or group, like whatever you can find. And also if it resonates, getting the support of a coach or a therapist or someone who can really like is qualified to hold the space for you to support you with anything that might come up on that inner journey and really for me, it was around also kind of like experimenting with different ways because there isn't, you know, there isn't like a one size fits all approach. There isn't this one thing that will work for every single person. For some people, meditation is awful and it doesn't help them in any way. For other people, it's hugely transformational. And when I'm working with my clients, I don't, there's not a kind of like formula. Mm. I work with them individually to see what works with them. And they have like this buffet of like tools of like well here's breath work or here's embodiment practice or here's inner child healing or here's whatever all of the different things to see what actually has 
an impact and what is transformational or and being willing to kind of like step into the discomfort of that yeah and and that's so important as well I like what you said it's like it's not one thing fits everybody you know there is different processes to healing and and going within as well and uh, you know I think again this is going back to I guess that that spiritual elitism and the new age thing that's kind of been brought around about people just saying okay this is what you need to do in order to become this healed and enlightened person, you know, when in fact you're unique, you know, so what is authentic mm-hmm. and what works for you? And I guess the way that you have obviously taught, teach your coaching is, is in that way, is in that way, which I think is obviously so important. Yeah. yeah. And I always kind of say to anyone, if someone says to you, this is the only way, then run a mile because that's not very healthy either (laughs) but it's around kind of like as as a coach for me it's showing up in the embodiment of what I teach so I've been through it myself I've done it all myself and I share it with clients and it works for a lot of them Mm -hmm. and but they're all on their kind of like own individual journey and back to back to like that inner work so many of my clients are resistant to it because doing the outer work is so much easier on the surface because every you know I did like a market research survey a while back and every single person who filled it in was like it all had to do with the outside it was well I'm not in a relationship because of the dating apps or because there's no men out there or you know if only or if only I was a certain weight or if only I looked a certain way or if only I was this age or none of it was about because it's much harder to own up and say, well, actually, I've got some stuff going on inside. I've got some I shit that need I need to own. Of. Yeah, yes. that's one of my favorite exactly. things. It's like, you know, you've yeah. got your shit and you need to own your shit. And, yes. you know, not as brutal as that. Obviously, there is a process. There is a healing process. But it is not, you know, we, we're so easy to like go up and put the blame on other things you know or even victim identity is a big thing as well like I'm a victim of this I'm a victim of that and and I understand to extent that helps part of the process but if you keep you know saying you can't change because of these things or you can't grow because of these things you're always going to be held back in life in my personal opinion you're always going to something's always going to be holding you back away from things And, and I guess it's these patterns that we create from these things that hold us back and what would you say are some of the biggest patterns I guess that you see or that people have created from these things you know that they've refused to heal I guess Mm, yeah so I think there's a a lot of the patterns I see are sort of like limiting beliefs self-imposed limiting beliefs that have kind of like either come from outside societal condition conditioning or that we've created for ourselves in order to keep ourselves safe what I see as well as a lot of self-sabotaging so kind of you know maybe getting into the relationship but then doing everything possible to to be destructive in that or to push it away because we're scared of intimacy that's one thing that I see that is really common as well and then kind of the patterns of relating to attachment styles for example where someone might be more of an anxious attachment style and they keep ending up in relationships with people who are avoidant and not understanding why it's so challenging and I also see and this is kind of like a byproduct of a lot of what's taught in the spiritual community I think which can be toxic of this idea you know the empath narcissist narcissist connection oh if I'm an empath I'm always going to revolve and because it's so ingrained because Mm. these people believe so strongly 
that because I am an empath, I am always, you know, narcissists are always going to be attracted to me. And then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And it's kind of like that, because there's that belief of, well, it doesn't matter. There's no, it's completely disempowering because of that, that belief of, it doesn't matter what I do, whether I set boundaries or do this or that, because I'm an empath narcissist, so it's going to like flock to me. And it's so disempowering and it's not helpful in any way, shape or form. Is there the reality that certain types of people attract each other more than others in a toxic way because of, you know, trauma bonding and all the, that is a reality. And also it is possible to heal those patterns. It doesn't have to be a cycle that repeats itself over and over again. That's the thing I think, you know, and it's so hard to identify these patterns as well sometimes for people because like we said earlier, it's kind of been seen as as the norm a little bit that destructiveness in a relationship is normal. Yeah, it is. And it makes sense because it's how, you know, it's what we're surrounded with and often it's how we're brought up and it's what we've seen in childhood. And for me, it was like recognizing my patterns was just the process of seeing okay, I've had all of these really destructive relationships. And yes, the partners weren't great. And I'm not blaming, you know, there's kind of like that line between, I'm not blaming myself for the destructiveness of some of these people. And also, like you were saying earlier, there's some of my shit that I have to own. So it's like, at the end of the day, I'm the common denominator in all of these relationships. I'm the one who is always there. And what are the things that I keep doing? So like one of them for me was, you know, picking fights. If I started to get really close with someone subconsciously, I would get scared of the intimacy that might happen. And then I would just pick arguments like over anything, anything at all, just pick like a fight. And and it was kind of like this push pull of bring them closer and then push them away. And then I had this, I went for all these different phases. It was kind of like ice queen phase where I was like, I'm not talking. I'm completely unapproachable and don't talk to me. And I'm never going to reply to your text. And, like, oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> and then there was the opposite of like with, with certain people because of their dynamics, it was like the opposite where I would like bombard them and I needed, you know, their val- validation and communication with them so much. So it was kind of like these waves of, depending on who I was interacting with and it also a lot of this was like my own stuff that I was healing and I knew that I couldn't change the partners I couldn't change them so it was on to me to change who I was being and how I was showing up. So for someone who maybe have started to realize that their the patterns in their life are repeating in their relationships or within them within their self you know it doesn't have to be their intimate relationships necessarily you know their friendships or within work you know if they started to notice you know these things they've resonated with what you're saying and they're like you know actually I have these patterns you know what can they do to start that process of like really identifying them and then going on to heal them and integrate them Mm, so I think kind of like the baby steps around this what I started to do is when when I was kind of investigating that like I would notice what the really I think the really strong common patterns once you start to build that self-awareness they become really really obvious so this is the thing I keep doing and then I began to slowly pattern interrupt them myself so it was when I was in a particular really destructive relationship where there was always text message arguments I had to my pattern interrupt was like okay I'm not going to reply right now 
like even though I really want to, even though it's really hard not to, I'm going to put my phone on the table, I'm going to go for a walk, I'm going to speak to a friend, I'm going to do something that's like soothing for me, that can support me not to engage in that behavior. And also, you know, this wasn't perfect in the beginning, there was like a lot of times where I did slip back into the pattern. But because I had like that strategy, and because I knew like, when I wasn't in the pattern, when it wasn't like all heightened and charged, I would write down, you know, 10 things I can do to support myself when this comes up and go into that self-soothing. And that goes back to sort of like the inner work and why it's so important. Because the outer work, you know, taking like the actions is really necessary as well for change to happen. It's the combination of both of them. But if you have had past experiences and relationships that are really hard, taking actions like going back out to date can be impossible if we haven't done the inner work to make ourselves feel safe in that. And that's why like self learning to self soothe is so important and learning to kind of ways that are supportive for us to be able to take those actions. Yeah, of course. And it's like, it's, it's, it's a process, you know, and it's, it's very difficult because I know for myself personally, like I struggle very much when I was younger with a lot of codependency and things like that. And even though i I'm in a place in my life where I can identify those things the emotion that strong like clinginess and obsessiveness is still there when the situation occurs but it's you know getting to that place where okay this emotion is there like is that observing I guess yeah it's observing and even though this is challenging in the beginning it's moving towards accepting it Mm. because once you've accepted it that it's here because what happens when you know, exactly like you say, that kind of like that feeling of that clinginess or whatever it is come up, comes up. What we often do is like we're judging ourselves and we're making ourselves wrong. And this is what I did for a really long time. I was like, why am I so needy? What's wrong for me? Why do I need constant validation? And just completely making myself wrong for it. And that just kept me stuck in that cycle. But when I began to actually accept it and give myself some grace around that and say, okay, like this is happening, this is really interesting without, you know, like neutralizing it and kind of taking the charge out of it. This is happening and why is it happening? And once I've understood why it's happening, how can I shift this? But that's really difficult to do if the acceptance isn't there and we're just spiraling into the judgment of ourselves all of the time. Mm. So a lot of the work that I do with my clients is around getting getting them to this space where they're actually accepting what their feelings are and how they feel and what their behaviors are before they can shift anything about it. And I think it's the reality that we're always on this journey and there's always going to be activations of things that come up. And for me now, when those things come up, I don't jump to judging myself. It's just like, okay, this feeling is here. Welcome it in. You know, even if it's uncomfortable, give it some space. And then it allows it to pass instead of bypassing it by going straight into that judgment of myself or I'm going to repress this and push this down and pretend it isn't happening. Right. Yeah. And I, I really love that. I think it's important that the awareness is the central thing of, of these emotions. You know, once you, once you're aware with them, you can, you can really start to heal them. And then over time you don't react to them as much. Yes, exactly. And that's, that's been my journey and that's what I've found things still come up and 
it's a lot quicker for me now to bring myself out of those activations mm-hmm. and there's more of a response rather than rather than a reaction now yeah love that so jerry where can where can people find you yes so i'm over on instagram at the jerry suter and I have a website as well, which is my name, jerrysuter.com, and a free Facebook group, The Conscious Intimacy Club, where you can come and hang out and be in community to chat about all of this stuff. Great, great. Thanks, Jerry. So I, I leave uh, our listeners with one, one little last question. And this is what I ask everyone. Um, Can you share a message from your soul? So this could be something that just comes up straight away of what you think someone might need to hear right now. Mm. Oh, I love this question. I think what I would like to share is to accept yourself wherever you are right now on your journey that it's exactly where you need to be and having that trust and faith that when the time comes to take action or to do something to shift that that you will intuitively know when the time is great I love that Jerry. thank you so much for coming on Soulful Sessions um, I've loved having a chat with you today thank you very much <laughs>